Hi, Gauri here. We've collected the best insights from the first 20 Knowledge Base Ninjas episodes into a clear and concise ebook. Simply send a blank email to ninja at bcast.email. That's ninja at bcast.email and it will be sent right back to you. Thank you. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Where Gauri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day everyone. Our guest today is Merlin Carter, senior content writer at Project A Ventures. Project A Ventures is a venture capital capital investor focusing on early stage startups. Welcome Marlin to Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for asking uh, Marlin. So, uh, yeah, in order to just get everything into context, please help me understand a bit more about yourself and uh, uh, how did you initially got into documentation? Yeah, sure. I um I'm originally from New Zealand where I studied communications and journalism and then I moved to to Germany a bit later and uh I started actually working as a product manager for a software company and I wanted to study again. I wanted to study fine art here in Germany, so I needed a job that I could do part-time. And uh I was very keen on writing specifications and it was my favorite part of the job so we thought that it would be a a good role for me to do part time um switching over to documentation switching over from product management to documentation and basically instead of writing specifications i would turn uh, other people's specifications into user documentation so that's how i first got into it and then i evolved over time um into different documentation roles Fantastic, fantastic. So, how long have you been involved in uh, writing documents? Um it could be for ma- many companies. Uh, so, so overall how many years have you been uh, writing contents? I would say since around 2009. So we could say just over 10 years. Fantastic. Yeah. That that's quite a long period to to have uh, this as your main career. Very nice. So in all these years, um, I'm sure you might have come across various processes, or you might have defined a few processes as well. So what, according to you, is your documentation process, and who do you normally get involved in it? Well, so so in the middle of my career, my the development team. started to work in the with the agile methodology and i think they started working in sprints uh and then later they switched to kanban but the the key pr- agile principles remain the same and so you have a a kind of uh a process flow where each feature is iterated upon very quickly and um small pieces of functionality are supposed to be ready um after after the end of each sprint and so the idea was that also documentation was included in it so not only was uh the feature ready to be tested by the QA team but also there was documentation available for them to also double check 
And so that was a little different in contrast to how I had originally started, which I guess you could call a waterfall process where the software was released in, in uh, say six monthly iterations. And then I had to document everything at the end when everything was complete and finished. So a good process, but technical documentation does need to slot into the agile methodology, I think. And you, you don't want to be left with huge amounts of work at the end of a release, rather iterate on, on um, each feature as, it, as it's finished, just in time. Fantastic. So uh, when you're defining your process, what are the important factors you consider when creating uh, any such documentations? Yeah, so there's, there's quite a few connection points for, for documentation. Uh, first of all, I, I think the, the technical writer can also be involved in, in the specification and the, the planning of uh, product features and you know a lot of large organizations they're a little bit siloed in terms of how they organize people so it's not always easy for a technical writer to get themselves involved in the, the planning phase but I think the earliest you can start writing documentation the better so initially I would wait till the developers had actually built the feature before I started documenting it but I realized that you could actually if product managers write good specifications and definitions, you can write um, documentation out of the user story and anticipate how the feature is going to work. So you can save yourself the work further down. So I guess in summary, that if there's a step that involves at the beginning of the process, concentrating the technical writer in the design phase, that's great. Uh, I don't, not all people manage that, but that's what I try to encourage. Very nice, great. So, either it being in your business or in um, in any uh, SaaS solution, what role does documentation have in your success uh, customer service or success strategy? Yeah, so there's a there's a blurry there's a blurry line between I guess documentation and what I call documentation embedded, embedded in the user interface. So I've worked on. SaaS products where obviously uh, self-help and self-onboarding or automated onboarding is very important. So new users can understand the process as quickly as possible. They get an invite email and, and when they first open the user interface, uh, they get you know some hints and resources. You can use some tools like WalkMe or UserLane, which guides the user through the interface. And that, those kinds of things, although they're disparate pieces of content, I also consider that documentation. And then you have your traditional documentation portal uh, where people can go for reference information. But I think you want to keep, I mean, assuming you're dealing with a, with a SaaS platform with a, with a rich user interface, you know, like uh, Salesforce or Google Cloud or whatever, you want to keep the user uh, from, from leaving and try and onboard them in context. So in terms of customer success, a, a friendly, seamless onboarding uh, helps to retain customers and gives people a feeling of satisfaction instead of frustrating them and then reducing the number of support emails you get at the beginning of the onboarding process. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Great. So um, this is one question that a um, lot of my um, other um 
uh, podcasters or um, participants struggle to answer. So have a uh, do you think you can measure the roi um from from any documentation yeah so so i have to give a um a, a, a brief overview of my background at one particular company to answer this question um so i was employed for most of my time at a company called aquilinx which was software for measuring content quality so it i was i was writing user guides for people who write user guides so the software service the technical documentation industry um having said that any software that gives you some kind of automated score of content quality is great i mean there's software out there that can give you you know the, the flesh reading ease or um other basic metrics about grammar and spelling issues um but the nice thing about hacklings was was that you could report on content quality on a on a grand scale so you could look at all the documentation files in your repository or scan websites and get get different content scores for different um parts of the website or what have you so I, at the time i hadn't really seen any anything um comparable to to aquilinks in terms of getting a, a bird's eye view of content quality metrics uh it's basically something like a very good companion to google analytics so not another thing in determining quality is obviously visitor numbers to certain articles and bounce rates on on different pages so yeah i think i think quality is measurable definitely um if you use the right the right metrics and so the things we looked at were yeah clarity we um in terms of the aquilinx score there was a there was a clarity metric which looked at variation in sentence length star you know um whether you use the correct company terminology consistency in terminology all these things there was a whole bunch of factors that went into this, this quality metric mm -hmm. um very nice mm -hmm. yeah. so yeah definitely possible to measure quality our yeah but your question was about roi yeah. <laughs> that's that's a trickier one um so then i so i try to actually you know um, put a business case for using equilinks in my my subsequent employer here and get technologies and that was really hard because you you had to somehow quantify the time spent resolving issues or yeah the time spent correcting things and so i guess we we based it on the time spent for a developer or to someone to, to fix a um to fix a problem in the documentation and, and multiply it by the number of things we found by automatically scanning it uh so the closest thing you can get to that in terms of comparison is maybe developers have these code scanning tools which they use to automatically check the quality of their code and you can definitely quantify the ROI on that ROI on that so we use that as a paradigm to quantify the ROI of content issues as well mhm mm that makes sense yeah yeah great uh so uh, are you generating any organic search traffic from your knowledge base at all Yeah so in terms of of keywords um yeah we do write for certain keywords i again i was influenced by my time at aquilinks because they had they actually had a an automated checking component for findability so i was writing the documentation on how to optimize your content for findability and i had to eat my own dog food so to say to make sure that <laughs> the documentation itself was also findable there's no point writing about findability if people can't find your documentation 
So, um, yeah, and I did look at organic traffic. I mean, to be honest with you, the search, it really depends on the search, uh, the quality of the search in your own documentation platform. Mm-hmm. So we'd use Zendesk previously, which was, you know, it wasn't bad, but a lot of people preferred to find the content on Google. So they, although they knew it was somewhere in Zendesk, they would actually perform the search on Google and get to it from there. Great, great. So um, are there any particular uh, article or category that you have um, uh, measured uh, where you get this uh, organic search traffic from? Uh, yeah, because people people generally, I mean, I've written a lot of developer documentation and so people search a lot for uh, the names of API calls or the methods because they can't remember exactly how it's spelled or what have you. So I, it tends to be a lot of reference material um, and also the stuff that you would expect when you're onboarding, like installing installing this or updating this and so on and so on. Uh, so those, I guess those are the two main types of content that they would match on the search. Great. Uh, so how often do you uh, update your documentation? Um, so... I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm writing more uh, blog content now or tutorials, but previously we would update it after every sprint. So there would be two weeks. And so, and, and at the end of each sprint, we, the idea would be we would deploy changes to the SaaS product to production. And at the same time, we would deploy any documentation changes to those, you know, the new documentation for the new features. So, yeah, I guess the short answer is every sprint, every two weeks. Very nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Occasionally, though, occasionally I would do hot fixes if I noticed a typo. Mm-hmm. It's quite easily easy to update the documentation independent of a normal release. So that wasn't that wasn't a problem. Nice. One thing I want to understand is how big is your team right now? Um, like how many writers and do you have uh, segregation between the writers, reviewers and publishers? Yeah, so this one I'm going to have to talk about my past experience again because I, I think I mentioned I I am currently uh, more of a, a blogger right now. But I last year I was working for Hair Technologies and I, I worked in two very distinctly separate teams. So the the last team I worked in was a was a, a SaaS platform for um, managing automatic software updates over the air, and I was the pretty much the only technical writer and people who reviewed the, the work were, were actually the product managers. And so there was no one else reviewing it for, and there was another part-time technical writer who was also reviewing it for the language, but most of the review was for uh, technical accuracy. And in the year before that, I was, I was at a, at a much larger, I was with a much larger team of technical writers. So eight people, four in the in Europe and eight and four in the US, and we did a lot of peer reviewing of our work as, as well. Um, so yeah, there was no one who was an officially just a reviewer. It was more that we swapped work and reviewed each other's work. Very nice, great. So I think uh, with that we move on to the rapid fire round. So mm-hmm. who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? Yeah, well that's. That's a, an easy one. I, when I was at Acrolinx, I, as part of some kind of deal, I got a, 
I got training from two IBM authors who wrote this book called Developing Quality Technical Information. They were Michelle Carey and Elizabeth Wilde. They were contributors and they sat me down and gave me <laughs> an interactive editing through all the documentation that I'd written because at the, at the time I was fairly new to the field and you know we took apart everything I'd written. It was, it was a little bit brutal, but it was incredibly helpful at the same time. So I would say that that's, those, those intense two weeks I, had, I learned the most. Fantastic. So can you share a documentation-related resource you have recently consumed? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me see. What was my, my favorite documentation resource? Um, I was using some, I mean, the, the tool that I used most recently is called Antora, which I, I really liked. I mean, for developer, for developer documentation specifically, because it enables you to pull content in from various GitHub repos very easily. Um, yeah, is there anything else? Okay. Oh, wait, wait a second. No, yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Um, so, I, and another thing is, I'm, I, um, I really enjoy uh, the work of an author called Stephen Pinker, who's a psycholinguist, and he wrote a book called The Sense, Sense of Style. And although it's not specifically about technical writing, it, it does cover a lot of academic writing. Um, and it basically scientifically breaks down the, the way to, to write, to use a good style and really clarifies it. But I think that was, that's a fantastic resource for anyone who writes. Mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those um, uh, information or resources. What is the one piece of documentation-related advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Well, my 20-year-old self is still studying to be a web designer. But uh, assuming I, I, was, uh, I was getting into the tech doc field a bit earlier, I would say don't document everything that people tell you to document, uh, you're going to get suggestions from QA, from product managers and developers, and, and there is such thing as too much documentation. So don't you know, have to write everything down. Um, yeah, and I would say don't write, write, write based on tasks rather than just you know a sequential description of all the features, which is how I originally started. Okay. But, I re but I realized you need to you need to write things according to what people actually want to do, not not how the product is structured. Nice, great. Is there any other uh, information, Merlin, you would like to share with the audience today? Uh, no, it was just that, it's just that my feeling is the technical writer is a, is a really uh, a kind of a um, an interface to a lot of different roles and. I feel some technical writers don't want to talk to people in marketing or don't want to, or they're kind of, you know, uh, hesitant to reach out to different departments. And I would just encourage people to get involved in all the different part, departments that are involved in content because there's a, a lot of overlap and technical and, you know, user guides, technical writing, that's actually marketing as well. A lot of people make buying decisions based on what they see in the technical, technical, technical documentation. In fact, I do that when assessing other systems. I read the documentation first before I even get on the phone with someone. So yeah, um, be involved with other content creating teams, even if it's, even if their content isn't as technical as yours. Fantastic. That's great, um, Merlin. So thank you very much for sharing uh, your unique experience and your journey. Um, so again, uh, appreciate your time you spent with us today. Um, 
Is there anything you would like to add before we say bye to the podcast? Uh, no, no, I think that's that's it. That, those are my words of wisdom. Thank you. So thank you everyone for listening and have a good day. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Based Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.